Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the TKW podcast. I'm your host, Sean Geddes, here with my guy, Dean. Dean, how you feeling? I'm feeling great. That's just great. Just great. <laughs> but, um, you know, we, we've been gone from these podcast streets for a little bit. Thank you guys for bearing with us. Uh, we should be kicking it up now with like the chief of the all season and also the transition into the next season. And, uh, you know, right now the Knicks are hot in the media. There's a lot of topics going on, uh, you know, and of course, everybody wants to have the conversation. Everybody is having the conversation. The Jazz have made Donovan Mitchell available. Uh, some people feel that, you know, we have to take the swing. Some people feel that we don't. Some people feel that we have to, you know, conserve a certain amount of assets. Some people want to give all the assets. Uh, the media has their, the general media has their perception of what they think our assets are worth um, and what they think the Miami Heat's assets are worth, which is funny. Uh, but, you know, what are your thoughts in this Donovan Mitchell situation, Dean? Oh, man, I just have so many. Um, my general thought is that I really want to see this get done. I don't think that there's too much of a risk of overpaying in a way that's going to hinder anything for the Knicks moving forward. I'm excited to get into it and talk about, you know, what exactly are these assets that the Knicks are considering moving reportedly and what are they worth? And, you know, just to try to put things into context, what do superstars usually go for in a trade? And let's try to really um, wrap our minds around what we might be giving up here. And I think that's important. You know, you just said superstar. Maybe some people don't think that's a word that you can use for a certain amount of people or whatever. Maybe they think there's only three or four or five superstars in the league. But I mean, at the end of the day, I, I'm a firm believer that Donovan Mitchell is like a superstar talent or high level star. I mean, like his offensive ability is just not something that we see on, you know, an everyday basis. It's very, he has a very special uh, set of skills offensively. Um, he's a three-level scorer. He does so efficiently. He's also wildly athletic. He puts pressure on the defense to create for others. Um, he puts pressure on the rim. He finishes well at the basket. He literally does everything offensively that I've ever seen anyone ask for. And yet, you know, as he gets linked to the Knicks now, it's, oh, he's not that good. He's small. And I feel like that's one, that's probably the first part of it we can unpack, uh, you know, the issues and the things that people say in terms of, uh, you know, as everyone knows, we just signed Jalen Brunson. So having the two of them, some people are concerned with it being a small backcourt uh, to that. I just feel like Donovan Mitchell's played with a small back, like a small backcourt made his entire time. And Utah won a lot of games. And of course they didn't get the playoff success they would have wanted to, but I don't think it was necessarily because they had a small backcourt. I think that, I mean, we saw that one Clipper series where Rudy Gobert got played off of the floor because he couldn't guard the perimeter. That, that, that doesn't happen to Mitchell Robinson. Um, we also saw that, you know, like they have, I mean, if your primary, if your secondary wing is like Royce O'Neal, like what can really happen on that team? So, you know, I think in this situation where Donovan could be here with, you know, RJ to the side of him, uh, Brunson at point guard, and then the, you know, other options that we have based on what we're able to keep and what we're able to get in this, uh, you know, put, in the, put into the deal. I just don't know why people are acting like this team has such a low ceiling with Donovan Mitchell here. So that's honestly something that I don't really understand. Like for Tim Legler, who I think Tim Legler has a pretty great reputation. You know, he went on TV and said he thinks the Knicks are still just a play-in level of team with Donovan Mitchell. 
I mean, you know, they won 37 games last year with all kinds of concerns, starting the worst defensive backcourt in the league, by the way. If you think Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier, if you think there was a worse defensive backcourt than that, I mean, like, you know, come correct with numbers or the argument because they were horrible. We watched every single game, especially you and I, we lock in on these games. Those guys were not playing defense. You know, that's number one. But like Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brunson on day one is one of the best backcourts in the NBA. You know, the Knicks managed the 12th best defense in the league last year with a horrible defensive backcourt. And when it wasn't Kemba Walker at point guard, it was Alec Burks. Alec Burks, adequate defender, but he's, you know, he's past his prime, dealing with injuries all year, banged up, playing too many minutes. He was fatigued. You know, the Knicks really weren't in the greatest position to succeed last year. And I wouldn't call last year a success, but they were almost 500. You add a guy who averages 26 points a game to that mix, one of the most dynamic, exciting players in the league, not to mention Jalen Brunson, who just showed out in the playoffs. I really don't understand the pessimism. And one more thing, you know, people are talking about the East got stronger and he, Donovan Mitchell, won't make the Knicks a contender right, right away. Essentially saying, what's the point of trying to get better if you can't win a ring in the first year? Come on. We know that the Knicks aren't tanking. If you're not going to tank, you try to win as many games as possible. I think that's what they'd be doing by acquiring Donovan Mitchell. Exactly. Like you have to advance that. And then, you know, when we look at, I mean, we got to start breaking down what the cost of the trade is. And, you know, you look at the fact that Rudy Gobert got traded. You know, we understand the Jazz don't really have leverage. Everyone knows they're rebuilding. They tried to say they were going to build around Donovan Mitchell. That lasted about eight days. And here they are now making him available and pretty much imminently trading him. And so they traded Rudy Gobert for primarily picks. Like the most substantial player they got back was probably Malik Beasley. Um, They clearly weren't looking for like a franchise cornerstone or something. Like they just want to go into full rebuild. And so at that point, we have more picks to offer than anyone can. And I feel like us having the most picks to offer and that being what they're looking for, while also us having the leverage of not necessarily having to do this, and they have to. Like the Jazz now, it's not just a matter of, oh, like, you know, we're making Donovan Mitchell available. It's just like they have to trade him. They had to trade him before they said he was available. And now, like, because they don't have other options. They don't have other suitors. Nobody has the Nobody can offer the packages we can. Miami's package can't. Like it's, it pales in comparison to ours. And that's really the only team that's been linked to him for the last two and a half years other than us. So and now in this moment, it's okay. We have the picks. They have to do it because his value decreases from this point on. Like every single year that they're like, you know, there's four years in that contract. Now when there's three years left in that contract, his value is lower. When he is frustrated because he's out there playing with Malik Beasley, and uh, Walker Kessler or whatever, like, <laughs> like it, the value gets lower. So um, I'm, I'm willing to just bleed them out. I mean, offer them a lot of picks and throw in what you can, but definitely keep RJ. RJ's not a not like that's a non-negotiable. That's not happening. Um, you keep RJ, you keep Emmanuel quickly, you keep Obi Toppin. I think if you keep Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin and you acquire Donovan Mitchell, there's really no way to call it a bad trade, regardless of like who you put out there at that point. Like, so if you, if you're able to keep both of them, uh, you're able to, you know, hopefully keep Quentin Grimes. It seems like he's going to be the casualty. Uh, apparently Danny Ainge likes him. I would love for us to be able to keep him out. I would add another pick to keep him out of it. But I mean, at some point, if, if, if that is the case, then you're going to have to, you got to trade Quentin Grimes. As much as I love Quentin Grimes, you know, Quentin Grimes, I'm the leader of it, looked him in the eyes and told him he was him in Vegas. And so, you know, I love Quentin Grimes, but if you, if that's, if that's what's happening and that's what they want and that's, you know, what it's still a good deal. If you keep the guys you have, you have a whole core nucleus that's, you know, 25, 26 and under, 
you've got, you know, a star in Donovan Mitchell, you've got a rising star in RJ Barrett. Um, and they can be a great wing. Like not only can, not only would Brunson and Donovan Mitchell be one of the better backcourts in the NBA right away, but I think that right away and over time, Donovan Mitchell and RJ Barrett could be an amazing wing duo. And so, you know, we have that kind of flexibility within our offense. Um, I just, there's not a lot of arguments for not making this move. This is the point of having the surplus of picks. We've always said this. We've always said this. And Kyle, Kyle has beaten the drum on this for years. Get rid of the picks. Like, we don't need these picks. We just got to the draft last year, and we, were, we had 37 wins, and we still didn't need a pick. Like, I didn't want to make a pick at 11. I was glad they traded it. It was like, who are we going to bring in here? We already have guys who's got to develop who haven't got enough time. And so now, if you've got an entire team that's 25, 26, and under, like, what am I worried about? And it, even we could trade six picks away and still have five over the next seven years. Like, what am I worried about? Like, I, F those picks, bro. Let them go. Like, let them go. Get down to Mitchell. Get the talent in here. And you start building from there, and you get better and better. And, you know, like, he, and you get down to Mitchell in his prime. Like, we've seen he's been elite, especially offensively. But he, I, he hasn't even entered his prime yet. And so to get his prime years right now alongside RJ, uh, I, I just don't see how anybody could be opposed to this. Yeah, so I, you know, I made the claim on Twitter that I thought that Donovan Mitchell was the second best shooting guard in the league. I had no idea that that would be controversial, but to me, it's you know Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell. Uh, people came back at me with James Harden, with Bradley Beal, you know, guys who are at the end, tail end of their primes um, versus Mitchell, who's just entering his prime, and Mitchell was better than them last year. But beyond just um, just you know trying to rank him with the rest of the shooting guards in the league, he'd be the best player on the Knicks. And so we're going to get in now to what the actual price would be here. And I want people to really consider, you know, is this too much to give up for someone who walks in as the clear cut best player on the team doesn't turn 26 until September. So the assets going out um, when, when you see a report that says eight first round picks or the Knicks have eight tradable first round picks and Danny Ainge wants a majority of them. Some people are responding to that with shock. And I understand that. It sounds like a lot. But four of those picks are going to be the non-Knicks picks that the Knicks possess. There's no reason to hold back those and just keep them in the cupboard. You know, we have the uh, the Mavericks 2023 pick is lottery protected, I'm pretty sure. Uh, got the Detroit pick is top 18 protected. And the Washington pick, I think, is also top 14 lottery protected. Those are not super valuable, but they're valuable. They're important chips in a trade, but you're not going to miss that. I don't understand people haggling over those picks. Like that was the return for Usmane Jang. Does Usmane Jang mean anything to us? No, these picks are not going to mean anything to us either. Like the first time Donovan Mitchell scores 40 points, you will not worry about the picks that we gave Utah and Danny Ainge. Um, you get to seven first round picks by adding three Knicks picks. The Knicks picks and Quentin Grimes appear to be the assets that are real assets that might be going back to Utah in this deal. To me, it's a no brainer. It's a small price to pay. I could even talk myself into, you know, being happy for Obi top and having an expanded role in Utah. If he had to be in that trade. Because this is this is a serious opportunity. Donovan Mitchell is a great player. This is someone who Knicks fans will make sure that he's an all-star starter pretty much every year. It would be nice to have that again. I really enjoyed when Carmelo was on the Knicks, knowing that the Knicks would be represented in the all-star game, not just all-star weekend, not the dunk contest, not the three-point contest. Having a guy who, if all goes as expected, year over year, will be in that all-star game. 
Yeah, year over year, being that all-star game to be able to provide that kind of consistency for us offensively, uh, a guy that you can just go to and get a bucket um, that's going to take a lot of pressure off of everybody else in the offense, especially RJ. Um, you know, that's the kind of thing that you that even helps RJ's growth. And also on top of that, a guy who is an incredible playoff performer. I mean, year after year, he's shown up and he's shown out. And, you know, he averages 28 points per game in the playoffs. I, he's been making it to the playoffs since his rookie year and performing well in the playoffs since then. Like he's, you know, he's, he's got everything you, you would want a guy to have. And I just don't see where, you know, the other, and, and the narratives are going to get really nasty. The closer he becomes connected to us, once he becomes a Nick, it's going to get really bad. Um, but, and he also, my, my main concern with Donovan Mitchell and my main, uh, you know, hesitation at a point in the Jazz Mavericks, I mean, in the, yeah, at a point in the Jazz Mavericks series, I tweeted, Donovan Mitchell can stay where he's at for real. And it was because he just, like, it was late in the game, like a minute left in the fourth quarter, and he, like, was dying on screens. He wasn't stepping up on switches. And I was just like, this is despicable. And, you know, I didn't want to have those problems in the garden. But honestly, I think he was checked out in Utah. It doesn't make it a good thing. Um, but I think that he will be inspired playing here. And, you know, when Donovan Mitchell, he was he was a, he was a lockdown defender at Louisville. Like he, I was higher on his defense coming into the league than I was his offense. Um, and so he's got a six ten wingspan. He's got the tools. Um, he also gets a lot of steals. Like he's not completely incapable defensively. And so if he's able to tap into the end, you know, with lower usage, he's one of the point guard in Utah forever. Uh, you know, the corpse of Mike Conley. No disrespect, but it wasn't really enough for him. Um, and he didn't have a wing who could create. So he every he was responsible for Utah's entire offense all the time. And so at that point, like naturally, guys do tail off on defense a little bit. Should he have tailed off to the point where he did? No. But uh, I do think that in, in a new situation with, you know, more help around him as far as the, you know, creation uh, is concerned for the offense, I do believe he can tap into the defender that he wants was. I can't guarantee that he will, but I think it's pretty realistic. I think it's more realistic than him coming over here and mailing it in. Um, and so it's like, if you get Donovan Mitchell is already one of the top shooting guards I and mean, then you called him the second shooting guard. I've never thought of it like that, but I mean, I can't say you're wrong. And, uh, you know, like Donovan Mitchell is better than Bradley Beal. Like Bradley Beal has been losing for like four or five years. Like, you know, and Donovan Mitchell has never really allowed himself to do so. Um, and so, yeah, like I, I just, you know, you, you get that guy, you get that guy. If you got the chance to. And, you know, he, he raises, he raises the floor of the team, but he also raises the floor of like players individually. Like he makes Mitchell Robinson better, you know, uh, he makes Obi Toppin better just off of the gravity that he's going to have. And, you know, like Obi cutting off of like Donovan double teams or, you know, Don like the pressure Donovan uh, draws as he turns the corner off the pick and roll. Like, I mean, come on. I, I'm, I'm so excited about the prospect of this happening. I'm extremely excited because Donovan Mitchell is the level of offensive player where guys can just fall into roles. We don't have to have, you know, annoying discussions will continue happening um, online, et cetera, always, but we don't have to keep deciding on a game to game basis. Like, you know, is Emmanuel quickly really capable of a larger role or the starting role or to run the offense or can Obi do this? Can Obi do that? When you bring in elite offensive players like that, guys who are going to score in the high 20s points per game, five rebounds, five assists, people can fall into their roles. Um, I think that Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes, uh, mainly those three guys of the Knicks Young Court, like, can be a whole lot in the league as individual players. I don't put ceilings on them. 
But like in the interim, putting them with great players like Donovan Mitchell, it's just going to make things snap into place more. They're going to have more defined roles. I think it could be a really beautiful thing. And Donovan Mitchell, like, I know some people, um, some people like to discount things that happened in the bubble. Donovan Mitchell scored 57 points in a playoff game. And then six days later, he scored 51 points. And if you watch those games, like I was mesmerized, you know, like the Knicks acquiring someone who genuinely for me, I love to flip to a jazz game on league pass. Cause I think his game is sick. Like I'm not talking myself into Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell is a monster. He's really, really damn good. The little fakes, the floaters, the, the putback dunks, driving to the rack, good pull-up three-point shooter. You know, like going from what the Knicks have had in recent years to Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell, that is like, and plus, you know, RJ has got another year of development under his belt. That is an influx of buckets that I don't think people are wrapping their heads around. Like that's a, that's a huge improvement. Like, monumental for, for backcourt offense. And like we said, the Knicks backcourt defense, it was nothing last year. And I think Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell are getting just very unfairly criticized for their defense. Are they elite defenders? No. Are they pretty small? No, but I'm sorry. Are they pretty small? Yes, they are. Donovan Mitchell's got a six ten wingspan. He is a guy who had a defensive pedigree. Jalen Brunson is a hardworking player. Like these guys aren't just going to come in year one to a Tom Thibodeau defense and phone it in and be vulnerable, be liabilities. I don't see that happening. I think the Knicks will be fine on D. I, I, I agree. I mean, we had Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier and we were a top 10 defense. So I'm not too worried, man. Like, like you said, Jalen Brunson is a kid. Like Jalen Brunson competes. Like one, one thing about it, like he may be small, you know, there may be times where he can be taken advantage of on a switch. But he competes. I mean, I remember in the series last year, they were trying to post him up with Bogey. And Bogey's like six, seven. He's got, you know, like he's a big dude. And it just wasn't happening. He wasn't he wasn't letting him move. He wasn't letting him establish position. He was working really hard off the ball. And then once he got the ball, he kept working hard. It kind of has that like Chris Paul aspect to him when like Chris Paul is really small, but you can't necessarily post him up very easily. Um, so I'm confident in that. And like I said, like I I think that Donovan has the tools. Jalen Brunson is like just physically limited to only be able to defend to a certain level, but he competes. And Donovan Mitchell has the tools to be a high-level defender. And the crazy part about it is he's been this good as just this guy who's, you know, this offensive juggernaut. His game really is truly electrifying, efficient, like exciting, beautiful. You know, the pull-up shooting is amazing. The way the rim pressure, uh, the moves to get to the basket, the floaters, the teardrops, the spin moves the euro step all of it like he's an offensive he's honestly one of the better weapons offensively in the entire nba and so if you get that guy to also engage on defense and you know start getting up getting back a little bit of that guy who he was early in his career and back at louisville you you know you've got now now you're looking at now having one of the top players in the league honestly especially entering his prime i mean entering his prime years if he's able to lock in defensively and keep being the offensive powerhouse that he is and become more of one, like he's, a, he's a top guy. And, you know, to have that top guy as our, you know, I, I believe that RJ can be one of the top guys in the league. Um, and I think that, you know, he's on the trajectory. He's going to make it happen. He improves every year, but just to have another guy next to him, like they can really be a great wing tandem. 
Um, and a lot of people talk about, oh, you know, we get Donovan Mitchell and, you know, now we start looking ahead to the third star. Like, who's, who's going to come with them? Who's the third star? I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that at all. Like, I'm not really concerned about that. I think that you get Donovan Mitchell and you throw a lot of picks so that you can keep guys like Emmanuel Quickly and Obi Toppin. And then from there, you just, you know, you go with that. And, uh, you know, maybe Obi develops into your third star. Like, you know, Obi has low usage. You don't have to, you know, he doesn't have to get plays run for him. He would thrive. He wouldn't, it's not even like he'd be affected by the fact that there's three guys who are going to be handling the ball and not like, you don't have to run offense for Obi. He's just going to be able to benefit off of them, off of the space that they create, off of the attention they draw. He's an excellent cutter. You know, he's going to do the same thing where he runs the floor and stretches the floor for us. Um, you know, Mitchell Robinson is, is unlocked. Like, Mitchell, this is going to be more rim pressure than Mitchell Robinson's ever played with. And, you know, like, now there's going to be guys who's got, you know, he already had a good pick and roll for RJ. Now you've got Jalen Brunson, who he's going to be able to work with. Donovan Mitchell, like, he's going to be a, a law monster, I think. And, you know, like, he can be a defensive player of the year caliber type guy. Um, you got Emmanuel quickly off the bench who can, you know, be like a six man of the year. To, like, it's just, you don't, we don't have to do this thing now where we've done it for so long. And it's crazy because it's like what our, what the Knicks PTSD has like conditioned us to do, where it's like, we talk about, oh, we never get a star. We need to get a star, blah, blah, blah. And then we're in the conversation for a star. And we're talking about, oh, well, we don't have, we need to get another star. Like we're, we're about to get the star. <laughs> like we're about to get the star. And everybody wants to talk about, oh, but where are we getting the next star? Like, no, the team will be 25, 26. Like, and that's the oldest, like, and you know, what really frustrates me is the way that people, I don't feel like people give enough credit to RJ Barrett um just in general for the player that he is for the role that he has on his team a lot of times people say oh yeah we need a star like what are we going to do it would be just down like rj's a star in my eyes like i think that he earned that i think like last year we what we saw from rj in the sec, uh, second half of the season with the 41 games averaging 24.6 points a game yeah it could have been more efficient but i mean he was excellent he was getting to the line and like at star at a star rate he was you know taking the offense on his shoulders and so I just think that with, especially with small tweaks and improvements as the years go on, like, I, I don't understand. They're like, Oh, you, you, you want, you want to make that trade to be a second round exit? Like I will gladly be a second round exit while RJ is 22. Like, that's wonderful. Actually. Like, you know, and that's the thing. People say things as if like, I don't know, man. Like it's once again, KD is it's evergreen. NBA fans don't like basketball, bro. Like what's wrong with being a second round exit. The Milwaukee bucks were just a second round exit this year. Exactly. Like it happens. So it's like, we're a second round exit this year. Does that mean we're dead in the water, especially with a team now where the oldest players are 27? Like, Oh my goodness. Stop the presses. RJ is going to be 23 coming into a season coming up. We, we haven't been, we've been to the second round of the playoffs once in like 20 something years. And now people are tearing their nose up at a second round playoff. What is going on? Oh, for real. Like, I was, let's see, 2012, 2013. I had just turned 16 years old when the Knicks got to the, to the second round of the playoffs and lost. That was a tough series. It was tough to lose. You know what I thought though? Well, next year we'll be back. doesn't matter. Like I'm excited next year. We'll be back. Then the Knicks trade for Bargnani, a whole series of unfortunate events unfolds. You know, we, you know, get back to a, a very, a very sad state and then things are back on the up. And now that things are back on the up, the Knicks have a possibility to acquire the type of star that'll make them most likely a playoff team again. And one that could maybe get out of the first round. I think the play in talk is ridiculous, but so what things go terribly wrong. There are injuries in year one. Let's say the Knicks are the ninth seed. They're in the plan. 
say they make the plan or they don't make the plan. You still, the year after that, are going to have like a 27-year-old Donovan Mitchell and a 22-year-old RJ. I want people to put in perspective that Donovan Mitchell, four years from now, is going to be 29, like almost 30, kind of smack in his prime. RJ is still not going to be the best version of himself. Like the timeline that RJ Barrett gives us, and I, I also believe that he's going to reach a super high level as a player, that timeline that he gives the Knicks is beautiful. That's why moving for someone like Donovan Mitchell, right after you brought in Brunson, I think Brunson similarly turns 26 right before the year starts. Uh, same for Donovan Mitchell. Like that's a very reasonable timeline because RJ Barrett is good enough right now to help you with. So it's not like, oh, you don't go bring in those type of players because RJ is still years away. RJ is not years away from helping you win. He's a winning basketball player. One of the most competitive guys I've seen come through the Knicks program. He really is. So for right now, RJ is a great, a great asset to have next to those guys. In the long term, it's like a beautiful thing. Like this could really align to um, a fantastic team, like a perennial top three, four seed in the East type of team, as long as these guys keep growing together. And that's before we get into Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, Mitchell Robinson. Isaiah Hartenstein is only 24 years old. This is a really young team. This is a really young team. Derrick Rose is 33 or 34, but he might be in this trade. For us. After that, I think Fournier is 29. It's also likely to be in this trade. The Knicks might not have a 30-year-old on the roster until you know Taj packs his bags like at the trade deadline from the Wizards and comes back, uh, at which point I'll welcome. <laughs> but like this is a young team, but not it's not a young and dumb team. Like this isn't the Thunder. Like this is going to be a team that has both youth and experience. Donovan Mitchell, like you said has one of the highest like playoff scoring averages ever of all time. The NBA has been around like 77 years. Donovan Mitchell scored 50 points or more twice in the same playoff series two years ago. And he's better now. Like people need to have an open mind. Donovan Mitchell. It's been reported for a couple years now that he wasn't very happy in Utah. He was a good sport, but he made it work. He never made a, you know, he never made a big stink about being stuck there. Um, I'm sure that they've known for a while that he would prefer, like most people would, to be in New York or Miami versus Utah. But he was a good sport. Um, you know, maybe sometimes the, the defensive lapses occur, but like he's he's a hardworking player. You could tell how passionate he is watching him. That's why, like I said earlier, he's been one of my favorite guys to watch for a while. Yeah, and you know, the passion he plays with is beautiful. Um, and you know, once again, he raises the floor. And like you said, you know, that with the 2013 team, it was the second round. We got there and we thought, okay, we'll be back. But that team's average age was like 33. Like that team was one of the oldest teams ever. It and was so, the know. oldest team of all time at the time, by the way. Eric <laughs> Thomas, Jason Kidd, Camby, Prigioni, Rashid Wallace. Kenyon Martin. All 40 or almost 40. Kenyon Martin, oh my gosh, there's more. <laughs> yeah, so it's just like, you know, it's, it's a whole different situation now where even if things don't go, you know, there, there is no one more. Everybody keeps saying, oh, this doesn't make us a championship team, blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, like, there's no one move that just vaults you into being a championship team. But like you said, I think we could be a perennial top three, top four team in the East. And to be honest, I'm 27 years old. I'll be 28 on August 12th. I don't really know what that feels like. Like, I don't know what that's like, even to be even, like, you know, be, be, regardless of a championship, I don't know what it feels like to be a perennial a home court playoff 
series team. Like, you know, my last, other than the 2013 season, like my last experience was losing to the Spurs in the 1999 finals. And I was five. And that was a run that we made as the eighth seed. So it's just like, I, people are tearing their nose up at something we've never, ever had. (laughs) And I, I just, you know, I can't wrap my head around that, man. Like this team has too much, too much room for improvement. And beyond that, like, even if you do feel like, oh, you got to go out there and get somebody else. You're not like, because of the amount of young players we have, those are all, those, all, those are also all assets. Like, you know, those guys can be moved. If you got to make a trade, if you got to consolidate, like you can go out there and flip somebody. And so I just don't know what people are worried about. I think that people are inclined to find something to complain about before they like really finish thinking about everything. And, you know, we would be the best team that we've been in my life. Like, this is already more young talent than we've had in my life. I've been saying that for years, but like, now we would be the best team that we've been in my entire life. And sign me up, bro. Like, I'm ready to be there for the home opener, just at the garden in general for this energy when we're winning games. And, you know, Donovan Mitchell is an all star starter, and RJ Barrett cracks the all star game, and Jalen Brunson is flirting with it a little bit. And we're seeing improvement from Obi, and Mitchell Robinson is looking like a first team all defense kind of guy. Like, and we're winning ball games. Like, I just want to win ball games, bro. Like, stop all this stuff about, oh, does this make us a contender? How does blah, blah, blah. What do you do? Win ball games. Put yourself in position to win ball games. Winning cures all. Everybody knows that saying. But instead, like, everybody scoffs at winning. And it's just crazy to me, especially for, it would be one thing if we were, like, the Spurs and, you know, we, like, win 50 games every year for, like, 18 years and have a dynasty with five championships and we're like, hey, we don't want to, you know, interrupt this rebuild unless we know that we can cash in and get to that dynasty level that we belong at. Like, no, that is not our reality. Like right now we need to be a good basketball team. And if you can do that while also catching Danny Ainge slipping because he has to get rid of Donovan Mitchell and you have the most picks, I don't care about those picks, bro, at all. I don't care about those picks. You don't care about those picks. We don't care about those picks. No one will ever care about those picks. I ask people all the time when you talk about picks, when they were talking about the pick protections, Ask, I ask people, what were the protections on the Charlotte pick last year? Nobody knows because we traded the pick and nobody cares now. I think it it's went top about, 18, top 16, top 14, top 12, something like that. It, it, didn't, it never even, there was never a point where it could be a lottery pick at any time. Exactly. It was like the most heavily protected pick I've ever seen. And when we got it, I was like, eh. And they moved it for Cam Reddish. And I was like, okay, those are movable. So it's like, you know, like, to to like and i don't think about that pick ever i'm not like oh man i wonder what we could do with that charlotte pick like i don't care we have so much young talent we don't even have room for picks right now so people point to people point to the carmelo trade um ended up getting the nuggets jamal murray jamal murray is actually my favorite player in the league who's not on the knicks i i wouldn't have given up the having carmelo on the team so that four or five years later we might draft jamal murray who's like a fringe all-star type of point guard exciting player but um, I just don't, I think people are having a hard time with the context here are being like defensive over the idea that maybe the Knicks are about to get fleeced. So like, I can sympathize with that, but Donovan Mitchell is extremely good. And people talk about like, Oh, but when have you ever seen a team? I've gotten this in my mentions several times the last couple of days. When have you seen a team with a backcourt of two, six, one guards win a championship? Like if you need the, one trade to take you to being like, not even just in the mix for a title, but like a title favorite that doesn't exist unless 
Giannis Antetokounmpo decides that he needs to be on the Knicks and the Knicks can trade just directly with Milwaukee and bring back Giannis, there's no one you could just trade for that makes you an instant actual title contender. Like, because who are the other guys who might come onto the trade market in the near future, similar level of stars to Donovan Mitchell? I can think of Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Zion Maybe. Williamson. Yeah. And you'd have, you'd have the same, it's not an issue. I don't want to say you'd have the same issue, but it would be the same situation. You would have, you know, taken a leap of faith and moved to bring in a star borderline superstar type of talent. And then you would have still had work to do. Like no matter what the Knicks do, this front office is still going to have work to do year after year to either maintain the success that they have or to get better. There's no like this trade is perfect. We're the favorite now. We're not trading for a young Michael Jordan who comes as a package deal with Wilt. Like that's not possible. The Knicks have an excess of picks and they have some good young players, some pretty good young players. If one or two of those young players goes and a lot of the picks go, like you can't really, you know, I love Quinn Grimes. I love Quickly. I love Obi. Do I see any of them being like high 20s scorers who make five all-star games in a row? No, I personally don't. It, I would love to see that happen. I, like I said earlier, I don't put ceilings on them. But like Donovan Mitchell is really good. You have to pay to play. Like you have to, you have to give up something if you're going to get someone of that caliber. Exactly. And, you know, you put it very well. You summed it up. And, you know, you've got you've to make that move. And because we have so many picks, we don't have to include as many players. But there will be a casualty. It looks like it's Grimes. I love Grimes. You love Grimes. But, like, if you, you don't get Donovan Mitchell for free. You don't get elite players like that for free. But he's a game changer. But you spoke about the front office having work to do. And speaking of having work to do, we're going to take a break and pay some bills. And we'll be right back on the other side. All right. Thank you for sticking with us for those breaks. And we are back. A lot of talk about Donovan Mitchell, a lot of talk about what the price may be, things like that. Um, and the front office does have work to do, but we're in a good position because the Jazz don't have much leverage or many other potential suitors, especially not ones armed with the war chest of picks that we have when they clearly are prioritizing you know, draft capital. So we're in a pretty good spot to be able to keep some guys out of this trade. Um, I'm a firm believer, and you are as well, you know, just get rid of the picks, like, you know, get rid of the picks. So, I mean, for me, I would say, you know, I don't know if they're interested in Julius Randle. They're probably not. You probably got to find another team to take on Julius. Maybe you include Charlotte and send him over there. Just send him over there afterward. I don't know. But I think that if Donovan Mitchell is here, Julius can't be here. Um, I don't think that he's going to buy into being a fourth option. He was throwing a hissy fit when he was like option 1A or 1B. So I highly doubt he's going to take well to be a number four. Um, and so, and I just think that, you know, Obi is just so low usage that he's perfect for that lineup. And, you know, I thought it's a priority to, you know, be able to get rid of Randall, give Obi that chance and, you know, um, open up the offense a little bit. And on top of that, so I would say, you know, if it's not Randall, I would say Fournier, Derek Rose. Um, and then from there, you know, you try to keep Quentin Crimes out of it. You probably can't. If you can give him Cam then great if they don't want Cam and they say uh, they got to get Grimes and, you know, five picks on top of that, maybe even six. I'm not going to cry about a pick. Um, if it's five, if it's six, I'm not going to be like, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do with that 23, uh, 25 Milwaukee pick? Like, we need that. Like, I'm not going to I'm not going to care. So um, I think that you do that. And at that point, you still keep most of your core. Yeah, you get rid of Julius and you're able to go out there and run Jalen Brunson, Donovan Mitchell, R.J. Barrett, Always hopping to Mitchell Robinson while having Emmanuel quickly off the bench to run that lineup. 
Um, you got to remove Derrick Rose. He was removed in that scenario. But I think that if we acquire Donovan Mitchell, Derrick Rose can't be here just because IQ has to be able to get a certain amount of minutes and have the, the role that he needs. Um, and so from there, you got IQ off the bench. If you trade uh, Grimes, you still probably have Reddish. If you trade Reddish, you have Grimes. One way or another, you got one of them on the wing on the bench. And then you've got uh, Isaiah Hartenstein and Jericho Sims, who are great uh, backup bigs. I think we'll be fine at the five position all night, even barring, you know, unfortunate injury if it comes across. Um, and then, you know, I, I would like to sign Melo to be the backup four on that team and be the vet and come home and get that feel-good story, but also, you know, be a really good shooter for us and space the floor and, you know, just have that presence. And I think it would be really great all around. And so, you know, like there's there's avenues toward being oh, like oh, that in that scenario, like that entire team is young. That team gets to grow together. That team plays super exciting and fast paced. I mean, just imagine like Jalen Brunson pushing the pace or RJ Barrett pushing the pace and Donovan Mitchell running the break, Obi topping, flying out and, you know, Mitch trailing. Like, I, I just think that so much could happen with that team and we could be high octane, really entertaining. Um, we'd have multiple three-level scorers. I think the last year, R.J. Bear was a three-level scorer who just didn't necessarily operate in the mid-range. I think this year his mid-range will be improved and hopefully his free throws will as well. But, you know, even if it doesn't fully happen next year, R.J. has definitely shown the ability to be a three-level scorer and he's going to get to that. And so you got a deep three-level scorer. And R.J., you got one in uh, D-Mitch. Uh, Brunson improved a lot from three last year and also has some pull-up shooting chops. So I think you'd have kind of three guys who – can be three-level scorers for you who can bend the defense, who can get into the paint um, and create for others. And then you have Obi running around and flying around with them and being the low-usage guy that can either spot up or operate off cuts, uh, you know, dives. There's going to be a lot of attention. Like, you know, Donovan Mitchell came in. There's so much attention coming off that pick and roll. You can't go under it. You might have to double him off of it. And so, you know, that allows Obi to get in a short role where he's also able to create and, you know, like play high-low with Mitch, kick it out to RJ. In the court. Like, there's just so many possibilities, and I would be so excited to watch that team play basketball all night and then having Emmanuel quickly come in the game, first guy off the bench, and, you know, have him coming from Brunson and run or have him come from whoever you have. I don't care. Like, you just – all the permutations of lineups that you could possibly have would please me, and that would be the first time I've been able to feel that way in a very long time. So I would, you know, really love that. I'd really love that move. I'd really love that roster. How you feeling? I would really love to see Obi at the four if we have Brunson, Donovan Mitchell, and RJ at the one, two, three. I think that that would be so perfect. Like, I'm an advocate for Obi Toppin in all lineups of any kind. I'm not picky. Uh, my agenda is Obi Toppin minutes, and I've never wavered on that. Um, but seriously, in the case of, like, if, if the Knicks are able to pull off this Donovan Mitchell deal, Obi would be a wonderful, wonderful option at power forward. Um, Aside from someone like Obi, who's like a low usage, you know, paint menace, lob catching, rim running, someone like that, you want a stretch for um, to play with a group like that. I think the one kind of player you don't want a power forward is someone like Julius Randle, who's going to try to do a little bit of everything. Um, I don't want to get insulting, but like, you know, a jack of all trades, master of none type of guy. Whereas you can maybe find someone like Obi, who's a master of some things, a master of running the court in transition and dunking on people and scoring in the paint. Or you could go and bring in Carmelo to come off the bench, who's a master of shooting threes off the catch. Um, I don't think, I think that Julius Randle could absolutely improve off of last year. Um, we've touched on it plenty of times, but he was a pretty elite role option in the pick and roll. And they do have some guys that can run pick and roll with him now. So I do think that there is more that you could get out of Julius Randle. But like you also said earlier, he would be the fourth option. 
Um, I, I think the Knicks and Tibbs are past the point of trying to force Randall touches um, as opposed to RJ touches. So I really think that RJ had surpassed him in the hierarchy, you know, within the offense. And then you bring in Jalen Brunson, uh, Donovan Mitchell, you know, guys with their pedigree, they're going to have the ball. So like no matter what kind of state Randall is in, what his level of buy-in is, uh, no matter what's on Randall's mind, the touches are not going to be there. He will have to adjust. And I don't have so much faith that he can um, to like an optimal level. I just don't think he's the optimal fit. But I think that Mitchell Robinson now becomes an optimal. I think that Isaiah Hardenstein with the, with the passing chops that he's got, you know, out of the high post dribble handoffs, I think that he becomes an ideal fit. I think that, um, you know, we know, first of all, that quickly is, is friends with Donovan Mitchell. I think they would enjoy playing off one another. And I'm praying that we can keep quickly in this deal so that we could see lineups with the two of them together. I want people to also keep in mind that when Mike Conley was hurt last year and Donovan Mitchell got some run as the point guard, the sole point guard, he was incredible. I don't remember the numbers exactly, but like he had an uptick during that time. So there are going to be times where, you know, Brunson's not on the court, but you can play Donovan Mitchell as the point guard. And if people are worried about the lack of size, um, it might depend on making some further acquisitions, but you can play Donovan Mitchell at the one and RJ at the two. If you have a bigger wing, let's say if Cam Reddish is still here uh, to play at the three, you're not undersized at that point. Like a six, one point guard with a six ten wingspan. And then RJ Barrett would be like, it's RJ Barrett and Lou Dort as you know a competition for who the strongest shooting guards in the league would be. There's Lou not Dort's a three because so. SGA plays it too. So it would really just yeah. Be RJ. Yeah, still. So there's just not a lot of, I mean, like who's RJ's competition for, for strength at shooting guard Trevor Keels uh, in Westchester. There's not a lot of guys with that level of strength playing that position. It's just not as hopeless as people, as people think uh, defensively. Especially, especially when you have Tibbs, like you and I have railed against Tibbs being the coach um, incessantly for a while now. But what I will say is I'm, I still would rather have a different coach, but I like way much rather have Tibbs for a team that has a guy like Donovan Mitchell, because Tibbs doesn't run complicated offensive sets. He wants to have someone who's going to dominate and then worry about defense. He'd had that with Derek Rose for a time and he was successful. For one season, Julius Randle decided to be that kind of guy, a dominant first option, and it worked. We were 10 games above 500. So we know that for Tibbs, the formula is to have guys who can run an offense and get you respectable on offense, and he's going to worry about the defense. Still want the Knicks um, you know, to try to get a little more innovative with the sets offensively, but yeah, Tibbs becomes much less of a, of an, of a liability when you have uh, a winning roster like this. Exactly. When you have a winning roster and you like, like I was saying, like there's no like permutation of guys in the lineup that I would not enjoy watching. So like, it's hard for him to put a lineup on the floor that I would hate because, you know, in, in that scenario that we presented, the front office has removed all of his, you know, bad toys. So I think that's just, you know, that that's, that's the front office's job right now. It's just, okay. How can we, you know, uh, remove this and put him in the best position to be successful. And then, yeah, we'd be a good team. I think even, you know, the fact that we don't have creative sets and things like that, I mean, hopefully with different personnel, we'd have better sets, but I also think that that becomes less of an issue when you've got guys who can create, like when you don't have, when you don't have great sets and great innovative sets or creative sets, and you're trying to run your offense through Alec Burks, like, yeah, you're going to struggle. But you know, when you've got guys who can, you know, put the ball on the floor, get into the paint, you know, improvise, 
make things happen, make plays for themselves and others. It just really opens the floor up. It opens the game up and it just makes life really easy. So yeah, like they focus on the defense and I'm telling you, man, like if Donovan Mitchell locks in defensively, he's going to be, he'll be one of the top players in the league. But, I really don't see why he wouldn't. And uh, people, people who watched Evan Fournier for every game last year, he started every game that he was available for, which is a problem in and of itself. You can't tell me that like there's any chance that Donovan Mitchell is going to be close to that level of bad on defense. There is just no way. Evan Fournier, even when it looked like he was trying his hardest, the lateral quickness was not there. Donovan Mitchell is one of the best athletes in the league. And we've seen it before and we'll keep seeing it. Like, um, for example, Ben Simmons, when he was at LSU, was a terrible defender. People thought maybe you shouldn't be the number one pick because he's a terrible defender. Lo and behold, he just didn't give a shit at all at LSU about what their defense was. I know because I was a freshman there at the time. I used to go watch him play. Um, He didn't care. And then as soon as they got eliminated from the tournament, he left campus. He didn't even finish the semester. So that was not someone who was bought in. But long story short, he goes to the NBA and he makes all defensive teams and and becomes a, a defensive player of the year type of candidate because he was always that level of athlete. So um, I think that it's overblown, the issues that Donovan Mitchell has had in the past on defense. But this is a hyper-athletic, you know, 25-year-old going on 26 who is going to be ostensibly in the situation he's been wanting to be in. He's from New York. He might be the biggest Mets fan that I know of. <laughs> and um, like, you know, it seems like he wants to be in New York. So I don't, I don't think that that's going to be a consistent problem. One game here and there, did Donovan Mitchell take some plays uh, off on defense? Will that be the back page of the New York post twice in January? Sure. Do I care? Really not at all. Like I, I don't, um, I think he's going to play. And I don't think that, I don't think that he's going to come in and, and not give the requisite effort. Um, I just don't see it as a problem. And I don't see Brunson as that much of a problem either. I watch plenty of Brunson. He works hard. He works hard on defense. Like there's nothing more frustrating than someone who's not trying. Like I don't, I never saw Jalen Brunson fall asleep the way that Alfred Payton, you know, did in the past. I know you hate when I say his name. I see, I see a reaction, but (laughs) sometimes, sometimes it has to happen. He's still a free agent, by the way. He's going to remain a free agent. The freest agent. No, I shouldn't say that. I hope he gets a job for his own sake. But um, yeah, man. And and to get into Brunson, you know, like I, I think they would be a really nice backcourt tandem. I think that Donovan Mitchell has been looking for somebody to take the pressure off of him offensively, like the creation uh, load. So he can just focus on, you know, scoring and also creating, but just not having to run the entire offense to be responsible for everything. And so, you know, I think that with him being next to Brunson, Brunson being able to get in position where he can run an offense, uh, they, they would make life a lot easier for each other. And, you know, Brunson's a guy who is insanely quick, can break a defense down, can create, he can create really easy opportunities for Donovan Mitchell, for everybody offensively involved. He competes on the defensive end. Um, yeah, we'd be, they'd be a small backcourt, but as, as I said earlier, like Donovan Mitchell has always played, like Mike Conley is also small. Like, it's not new. It's not like, oh my goodness, this is going to be the first time we're seeing this. Like, no, it's a small backcourt. Okay, but they both compete and they both can hoop and they both can get to the basket. They both can operate in the mid range. Like they don't get in each other's way. I, it, it would be a really nice uh, tandem and it would, I'd be really, I'm excited to see what we get out of Jalen Brunson. I mean, like his footwork is insane, bro. Like his footwork is otherworldly. 
some of the uh, finishes he has around the basket, like the touch he has around the basket in general, plus the footwork makes him really, really dangerous. Even, you know, his small size and stature, he's able to get in there with the trees and like kind of make him look foolish. And so I'm really excited to see what he's going to bring to this team. Um, I'm also excited about the fact that, you know, once again, in a lot of those games last year, we won 37 games. We blew a lot of games late in the game. And it was largely because we put Alec Burks in at the six-minute mark, tried to run the offense through him, struggled to get it across half court, and couldn't get into any of our sets. And so having a point guard on the floor, knowing that you're going to be able to get into your sets and make it happen, he's going to keep guys organized. You know, he's, he's a very smart, cerebral player. Um, he's very talented, and he's literally always been a winner. And so, you know, that's the kind of guy you want to have in your organization. So I'm very excited about the Jalen Brunson signing and very excited about the prospect of him playing next to Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, so with Donovan Mitchell, um, I think that it's kind of wild to see people talk about his defense the way they are, like, and never mention Jordan Clarkson, or for years they had Niang. You know, their best perimeter defender has been Royce O'Neal. Royce O'Neal is a nice defender, but, like, he's like a 6'4", 6'5", guy trying to play small forward. Like, beyond just, like, RJ's a bigger three than than Royce O'Neal, unless I'm, I'm missing something. So, like, they had plenty of bad defenders. They were asking Rudy Gobert, to do a whole lot. And Rudy Gobert was uniquely capable of almost being able to do it. Now, once you got to a playoff setting, they, they just weren't prepared. They, they didn't have the talent. I don't think that the Knicks in New York will have as much trouble getting talent to come there. And like Mike Conley for one year, he was that guy that could take pressure off him. Uh, but you know, he's an older guy. And so um, Jalen Brunson, Donovan Mitchell, both of these players, I think that there's just context that's missing. Like they, they were not on teams that were perfect. The Mavs managed to have a great defense, an elite defense last year with Jalen Brunson and Luka Doncic both playing heavy minutes. These are guys that get criticized for their defense constantly. I just think it's a testament to the fact that if your coach, your coaching staff and the players are bought in, like defense is a team thing. The fact that Donovan Mitchell is three and a half inches below the average size for his position is not going to sink the team on defense. It's really not. You know, he's going to do a lot more for the offense than he's going to harm the defense. And I don't think he's going to harm the defense in the first place. So that would be why I am so, like, extremely excited for a trade like this. I think that it would be a really, really, really major game changer for the franchise. And for our viewing experience, like, just for us on a night-to-night basis, because we know we're going to watch the games, like, this, I, I can't overstate how important it is to get someone of this caliber like Donovan Mitchell, aside from Brunson, who was already a huge pickup. Yeah. The prospect of it is so exciting, man. Like the, the basketball we could possibly watch next year. It's like, I don't really know how anybody can have an issue with it. Um, I frankly can't wait. I, I do feel like this is going to happen. Uh, you know, like the report came out that he was available right after it became official. We signed Jalen Brunson. Um, then beyond that, Winhorst called it inevitable, like right away. And then like 24 hours after that, Sam's reported that we were like engaged in talks with them. So it's just like when all those things, when there's smoke, there's fire and everything's lining up. I think this would be a done deal by the end of the weekend, honestly. I hope so. So like, whenever we can get it done, hopefully we get it done soon. And But it is beautiful that we also have the ability to walk away. And that's why I feel like it's so inevitable. Because there's no pressure on us. We have a lot of leverage. Jazz don't have much, and we have what they want. So that's actually one last thing I wanted to touch on because you, you've brought up our leverage a few times. I think an underrated part of the leverage that the Knicks have is that the Jazz are going into a full scale rebuild. They're not really hiding that anymore at this point. 
And we've seen other teams go in this direction because this 2023 draft class is thought to be like different, different level of generational, true stars potentially in this draft, starting with Wembenyama and um, you know those the those twins. I'm sorry, Thompson, the Thompson twins. Like these these guys look incredible. So the Jazz have all the incentive in the world to make sure that they're a young, rebuilding, and frankly bad team on day one of this season. Like it's a race to the bottom in 2023. So having Donovan Mitchell raise your floor for three months so that you could maybe squeeze a little bit more out of the Knicks or some other team, I don't think that that's what they have in mind at all. Like I really think they're motivated to move fast. They just brought in a first year, 34 year old head coach in Will Hardy. Uh, we saw a couple of years back, Steven Silas got the job in, in Houston. People were happy for him. And then he got stuck with this James Harden situation where Harden was forcing his way out. And that was a tumultuous way to start his tenure there. I think Utah and Danny Ainge and Zanuck and whoever else is in their front office, David Fisdale's in their front office, actually now. Uh, congratulations to him. I think they want to set Will Hardy up for success. They want to give him a group of young guys before the start of training camp, before the first game of the year, and make the directive clear that we're doing we're doing the OKC thing. We're trying to develop these young players, and we're we're not worried about wins. We're not worried about wins and losses this year. You know, we're just trying to make a, a stable environment for these young guys, for this young head coach. And so, yeah, that's a big part of the Knicks leverage is that they have the best package right now, and the time that the Jazz want to move is right now. Precisely. Um, and honestly, I think with all of that, I think we covered it. Up, we summed it up pretty well uh, between. You know what the what the assets we have are, uh, what the the landscape is as far as leverage is concerned, um, his impact on the team on both ends of the floor, the lineups we'd like to see. Uh, you know, so I think that Donovan Mitchell would be a great addition to the team. Um, people do this weird thing where it's like anytime we're about to move picks or something, or anytime somebody's linked to us, all of a sudden they're not that good. Um, I know that before it's crazy because people will say the whole time, like, oh, this front office sucks. Leon doesn't do anything, blah, blah, blah. They came here and they told us they would get us a star. First of all, no, they didn't. But um, they came here and they told us they would get us a star and they haven't gotten us a star, blah, blah, blah. Like, and Donovan Mitchell is one of the people that one of the stars people were bringing up in terms of people they should be going to get, like Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns. And now they're linked to Donovan Mitchell and people are complaining about it. So, you know, you just got to everybody take a deep breath and enjoy what's coming. Uh, and we're in a good position regardless. And I know we just did an entire podcast about life with Donovan Mitchell, but the beauty of our position is that we don't have to get him either. We could, you know, gladly roll out there with the guys we have, um, our our young players, and keep it. We still have the the, the next time this comes up, we're still gonna have the most assets, um, or we're gonna be up there. So I mean, they don't have to make a hasty move. They don't have to make a bad move. I trust Leon Rose, as you can see on the board for those watching on YouTube. Um, I I I don't believe he's gonna get fleeced even by Danny Ainge. I actually think he's gonna catch Danny Ainge slipping. Oh my goodness, Quentin Grimes! What a series of moves. I'm sorry. But, but yeah, man. So uh, any anything, any closing words, Dean? No, I mean, I don't have the game on in the background, so hopefully I could catch the the highlight of what Grimes just did. Uh, but yeah, just my last thought would be like, you know, if you're listening to this and the trade has already happened, let's say by the time this this trade comes out and it's already happened, I think that um, I think that we've we've given the listeners some context and you know what what to look forward to, maybe what to expect. Um, I was glad to to be able to be here to discuss it with you what happened. 
Now he made another great move and pulled up, but it didn't go in. But it, he just looks really good out there, man. I was I thought maybe he'd come out and just dribble it right off his foot over and over again, trying not to get traded to Utah. But that's a true competitor, and I think I speak for the whole fan base in saying, you know, if Quentin Grimes is in this deal, like we wish him the absolute best. I'd love. I would literally root for him in Utah forever. I'm I'm a huge fan. But that's the price of doing business. It's it's a tough reality to be a fan. You fall in love with these players, but you also fall in love with the team. Like I'm, I'm a fan of orange and blue before anything else, and I want to see those. I want to see that win count rise. So whatever has to happen, um, I'll try to place my trust in Leon Rose as you have, and and I'm excited. I'm excited for the next few days, weeks, months, whatever it is. Bingo. So there you have it. We're excited. We hope that this helped you guys to get excited or, you know, have a positive outlook or, you know, just a better understanding of the position we're in and what's happening. And, you know, until next time, so stay tuned. Be sure to check out TKW on Twitter. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube, youtube.com slash the next wall. Be sure to check out the nextwall.com for plenty of articles from our amazing and talented writers. Um, and, you know, we'll be back for the pod. So you guys have an excellent one. Love you guys and adios.